Thank you, Jesus. My God. Hallelujah. I just want to tell you tonight. I'm so glad you enjoyed that, but I want to tell you something. I wasn't singing for you. I was singing for him. <laughs> I was singing for him. Amen. I was singing for him. I'm so thankful to be saved. Aren't you grateful? There's no greater love. The greatest love story that was ever told is the old rugged cross. <laughs> oh, what a story. I love you, written in red. I love you, written in blood. The old, old story. Oh, you know, I cannot move away from that. I'm so compelled in my heart to just thank God tonight for, for his, his wonderful sacrifice. Where would we be? We'd be lost. Amen. We'd be lost. And not only would we still be in our sin and we would be in transgression and we would be aliens and estranged and strangers to God, but not only would we be at that place, but we would never know. We would never know the depth of, of knowing God and loving God. Think about that for just a second. Because I know you love God because you come to church on Thursday night. You're here because you love God. But we would never know such a love. No greater love has any man than a man lay down his life for his friend. And Jesus laid his life down for you and I. He gave his life. That's enough. Somebody said, I got mad at God because he didn't do what I asked him and prayed for him to do. I said, if he saved you, he did enough. He, whether you accept him or not, he went to the cross and he did enough. The cross was enough. That sacrifice was enough. Because I can tell you our sin and our life of transgression and rebellion against God took His only begotten Son so that we could be redeemed. Oh my God, there's no other reason to live for God for, for that one reason alone. Because of what He did for us and that we're saved and we're changed tonight. Sitting in this place where people that used to be bound by drugs, that used to be bound by the devil, that used to be bound by perversions and lusts and troubles and depressions and anxieties, but we're lost, empty, empty. Amen. Many in here, or not many, but several that were perhaps even in a, in a home, maybe some that nobody knows you were in a mental ward at one time. You, you, you know, your mind checked out and you, you know, you were suicidal and you were a person that was on drugs and you were just bound by the enemy. But thank God tonight for his love and his mercy. Oh, amen. We have a reason to praise God. We have people say, you go to church a lot. I said, oh, it's because it's the closest place to heaven I can get. To be in his presence. To be before him and to be in his presence. That's why I go to church because I want to get to the closest place to heaven. And it's the presence of God, but it's also being with the people of God. You know... I'm going to tell you, everything that you see the church not doing that they should be doing and the mentality of Christians that they should be doing but they're not doing, the devil's behind it. I promise you this. The devil's behind making sure that people don't go to church. 
that they have been taught something from some, you know, theologian on YouTube or some social media that told them they didn't have to go to church. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The church, the heaven's going to be filled with all of Christian people that want to be there. The redeemed of the Lord that want to be with the redeemed of the Lord. There's nobody sitting in here that I don't want to be around. I love every one of you. I love every one of you, and I want to be where you're at. Fellowship is very important, but it's more than just, you know, sitting down and eating a meal or something. But it's, it's the fellowship of the spiritual and the fellowship of, you know, the spiritual that we have and the, and the, the love of God and the word of God. And the, 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 it's, it's, the, it's the unity of the faith and the unity of vision and the unity of desire. It's the unity of wanting to worship God the same way. You know, that you, you know, there's people that won't come to a church where the presence of God moves because they don't, they, they're not in unity with what's moving in that church. And that's okay. You know, it's not okay. Actually, they need to go down the road, but if they're not going to be here, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you, we're not going to change because we want to, we want to worship God and everybody that comes in here, they want to worship God the same way. We want to be free. If I want to go to the altar, I'll go to the altar. If I want to stand and lift my hands, I will. If I want to worship him and praise him and love him, I will. Amen. I want to preach to you for just a little bit here tonight. Amen. We want perfection in the body. We serve a perfect God, and He has brought us into the body of Christ as His body. But we will see that perfection in heaven. Till then, we have this corruptible body and this mortal body, and that's why we deal with hurt feelings and things people say and things people do, and 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 it's, it shouldn't be in the church, but it is, you know. We, we just we allow things to just bother us that shouldn't. We allow things to go on that shouldn't. We get caught up in drama. We get caught up in all kinds of things. And, and what does that have to do with Christianity? Nothing. Amen. We should just love God and just be thankful. Amen. Uh, you know, we, we, should, we should grow up and be mature. I'm not saying that we don't act like Christ is supposed to act. What I'm saying is that we shouldn't let anything stop us. Don't let anything keep you out of the house of God. Don't let anything keep you from progressing in God. I, um, I felt in my heart this, I prepared this Sunday actually, and I almost preached this instead of what I preached Sunday morning. But um, I felt as I was going and praying this afternoon and just seeking the Lord that he would have me go here. And um, this is one of those kind of messages that I'm just going to sit here and talk to you for a little bit, Okay about something that is very serious. And I, I believe everybody that's here tonight should just focus on what I'm going to say to you because we really do need to redeem the time. We need to redeem the time. In Ephesians 5, verse 13, it says this. It says, but all things, all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever does make manifest is light. 
Somebody comes to church and they say, I don't like what he said. I can tell you, and I never met him before, and I don't know anything about him. It's not me, it's the Holy Ghost. And he speaks and he manifests things in our life. The light manifests those things. But he said, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. And Christ shall give thee light. So then they that walk circumspectly, see then that you walk circumspectly and not as fools but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And he goes right into what the will of the Lord is and he gives a, a, an analogy here. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, bless this word tonight. Your presence and spirit's already here, but I ask you to bless this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm just entitled this Redeeming the Time. Paul starts out saying all things are reproved. That is corrected gently. That's what reprove means. That's what reprove means. Uh, when you're corrected with a gentle intent. Um, but he, you know, all things reproved comes about because the light manifests what's right, what's true, what's holy, what's pure, what's honest. In Psalms 119, 130, it talks about how that, uh, I want to read it to you. Let me turn there. I'm sorry, this is the one scripture that I just happened to write down before I left the house. But in Psalms 119, 130, it says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. It proves here whenever, uh, you know, the, the, there's enlightenment that comes to truth and principles, the principles of God and the truth of God whenever the Word of God begins to bring entrance there. Um, there have been times that I was, I was, I had something in my life or my heart and I didn't even really realize it until God began to show me as he as I began to read his word and he began to bring a scripture out to me and I was like, wow, Lord, I didn't think about that until I just read that. That's why we need to read the word because it washes and it cleanses us as we read it, you know. And, and I can tell you, if you ask God, lead me where you want me to read uh, and, and give me that scripture for the day or that one thought. You may read five chapters and maybe get one scripture out of that that really convicts you or talks to you or encourages you. That word gives entrance to truth and principles of the word of God if we'll read it. That's why it's important to read. Uh, and, and Paul is saying all this because he's trying to get to one particular statement that he wants to say to us that's very important. And it is redeem the time. Redeem the time. Now, in the context, in verse 14, he's saying, Wake up, sleeper. Arise from the dead and let God give you light. Then he goes into verse 15 and he says, walk circumspectly, in other words, perfect, watching 
On every hand, what is about you? That's what circumspect. Think of a circle. You're walking, and imagine you're aware of everything that's going on around about you spiritually. We must walk circumspectly and watch on every hand what's about you, avoiding the dangers of the enemy, avoiding the dangers of the devil, because he's going to bring those dangers. And I wrote this down, and those dangers are the temptation to be deceived that time is like infinity, but it's not. There is an eternity, but we're not living in eternity yet. We're living in time. But people, they automatically have this mindset, especially young people. Especially young people, they think, you know what? This is just going to go on and on and on and on forever. And it's not. It's not. You know, and I know I'm not, I know I'm not an old, old man, okay? I'm 50 years old, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm realizing every day that I get up, you might as well call me Rice Krispy. Because when I get my feet on the ground from that bed of sleeping at night, it's snap, crackle, pop. And I'm, I, you realize one day you wake up and you're like, you know what? I'm not 20 anymore. I'm not 30. I'm not 40. I'm not even really even 50. I'm almost 51. I'm not holding on to that. I'm trying to go back the other direction. But you can't. But what I'm saying is I realize, you know what? It hits you one day. It hits you. You're like, you know what? I got about 20 or 30 years if the Lord, you know, has mercy upon me. But when you're young, you think, you know what, I got the rest of my life. I got all this time because the devil lies to people and tells them I've got tomorrow. And you're not promised tomorrow. Young people, you're not promised tomorrow. You're not, we're not promised tomorrow. I worked with a, as a chaplain over at Park Regency. And there was a young man that worked there. I met him. He was 19 or 20 years old. And I remember talking to him. He was the sweetest, nicest kid. And, and, and his mother worked there, and I met him, and I, that was when Aunt Maida was there, and, and he was such a nice kid, and like three or four months passed by, I would see him a couple times, maybe three months, and then one day I went in there, and they said, you know, Vanessa's son that was working here, I said, yes, they said he was killed in a car accident on Whittier Boulevard, right in front of Praise Chapel and Lascaris, right there. He, he was, I don't know if he was drag racing or what, but I believe he hit a telephone pole, but he died. He died. And I, I, the, the frailty and fragility of our mortality hit me. I thought, Lord, 19 years old, 18, 19 years old, and he's gone. He's gone. We think time is just going to continue on, but it's not. I want to share some things with you and listen to me because the Word of God says we must redeem the time. The devil will lie to you and tell you you have forever. We do in eternity, but we've only got a space of an allotment of time. Now, don't be foolish, he says, but be wise. Redeeming the time. The greatest thing you could ever do is realize that what I just said to you, that time is so short. This life is but a vapor. But redeeming the time because the days are evil. What does this mean? What is God trying to reveal to us? What is He trying to wake us up to? What is He bringing light to tonight? He's bringing light to the value of time. Listen, if you don't hear anything else I say, listen up. He's bringing 
to light the value of time, the seriousness of redeeming it, because while we flitter away and waste our time, hell and evil knows all too well its value. Hell and the devil knows the value of your time. The thing is, the church and Christians and people in general don't realize the value of their time. But the devil knows that it is an awesome commodity that you don't even realize that you have. Think about it. Let me share a valuable principle and truth. This is powerful. Time is the most common gift God ever gave us. You know why it's the most common gift? And I say common because we all have the same exact amount of time every day. Maybe not a lifespan, but we have the same amount. Everybody's allotted the same amount. In everybody's day, did anybody have 25 hours yesterday? No. You didn't have one second over 24 hours in a day. We all had the same. We all have that common about us. There's some that are black, some that are white, some that are Asian, some that are Hispanic. Some are tall, some are short, some are skinny, some are not so skinny. You got some that are just absolutely beautiful faces and then you've got some folks that don't have a face only a mother could love. Some are very wealthy, some are very poor, some have 1,500 homes, they're billionaires, some people have no home, they're homeless and they live on the other side of the tracks. But every person that I mention to you, every one of us has the same common thing, the commonality of time, everybody. I have the same amount that you do every day. None of us on planet earth have everything in common except that one thing. And we all have this in common as human beings that we're a living soul. But we all have the same exact allotment of time every day. Time cannot be stopped, but it can be controlled. When I say controlled, you can direct or channel your time the way you want to. You can spend it in bed all day, or you can get up, and you can be productive about your time. Praise God. Yeah, there's some sleepers in here. Hey, the Lord said it, not me. And I know we need sleep, but we don't need all day. And what we are, and what we can do, or what we become, depends on how we use our time. Think about it. I heard God say clearly to me in prayer. I heard him clearly. He said, Jonathan, I said, what's the message to the church that you want me to speak? He said, tell the church to redeem the time because the days are evil. You've got to do what you can do while you can. Work while it's day, Jesus said, because the night comes when no man will be able to work. We must wake up. We must let God shed light on us about this most serious command. Redeem the time. It's a command. Redeem the time. Be mindful of it. And you may fail a day or two or, or a lot. You may have failed your whole life and said, I've never been a good time management person. God gave you an allotment of time and you are a steward over that time. We have to make good with that time. Because one day we're going to give an account for that time. Think about it. 
we must wake up and let God shed light on this of the seriousness of the command, and we must maximize our time's value. We must maximize its power. We must maximize its possibility because you're competing against hell. Did you get that? Why is my time so valuable? Why do I need to know time is so valuable and use it so wisely? Because hell is competing against you. And I, have, I hate to say this, but often, more often times than not, the devil is winning in the game and competition of time with you. How many times did God tell you to pray and you didn't? How many times have you done something else when you should have been in the house of God? Amen. Dakes, okay, so let me read this. What does redeem the time mean? I have a, 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 a commentary reference Bible, Dakes, Finest Jennings, Dake. And, and he says in that, it was an awesome statement. He says, redeeming the time means buying up those moments which others throw away. So if we've come to Christ, we're redeemed. We're mindful that we need to pray. We're mindful that we need to read our word. We're mindful that we need to work for the Lord and serve Him and serve for the kingdom's sake to advance the kingdom. And so we're aware of that. And so we, we want to buy up the moments that other people throw away. People will teach you in business or teach you as a motivational speaker about your time that time is money. Time is the most valuable commodity that, you're, that you have. And people want to waste it. And you waste it a lot of times. Society wants to waste it. We live in a day of wasted time because people are always on their phones. Even in church, they're on their phones. Even in church, they'll sit on their phones. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You're wasting time when God wants to speak something to you. And you're going to stand before Him one day and there's not going to be any more time. It's going to be over. Then it's all eternity what you chose. Now time can be wasted by people. But we can not only not squander it. I'm giving you a challenge here and a exhort. We cannot squander the time that God has given us. And we can be victors over that. But also we need to make sure that we add to the value of our time. Because it's just an opportunity waiting to happen. But we can add to that value of our time by making it productive and fruitful. Amen? You heard the, the, the word time. It's a time well spent. Or, or I made good use of my time. You know, that is a very, very um, awesome proverbial saying. That, and a truth and a principle that your time can be well spent. And is it well spent for the Lord? I ask you that only you and God know. Is it something that you made good use of? Only you and God know. Well, there is time that is given or spent, I will say sacrificed, that advances the kingdom. That's what we need to make sure that we're guilty of. And I know that some of you are thinking here, well, there's people that seem to have more time than I do. They may but God gives every one of us the same common allotment of time, okay? And, and we should never compare ourselves because God's going to judge us according to what we did with what we had. 
And if you, you worked a full-time job plus overtime to provide for your family, you're doing what God told you to do. But you need to make sure that you spend time in devotion and, and building up yourself on, the, on this most holy faith in the word and prayer. But if you don't have a job, you're going to be held to an even higher accountability when you do nothing with your time. But everybody likes to say, well, they got more time than I do. And I was thinking about, you know how you see those track runners? And you'll see a track, okay? And you got one guy that's here, okay? And the next guy over, he's up here, okay? And the next guy over, he's over here. Well, the first time I saw that, you all know what I'm talking about. When you see a track, they're staggered. And the first time I thought, well, he's going to lose because he's all the way back here. I didn't realize that they're all the same distance. They're just at different starting points. But we think, the Lord gave me this, amen, to God be the glory. We all think, well, Yolanda's, she's 20 feet ahead of me. And, 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 and Amber and Lorenzo, they're even 40 feet ahead of me. Of course they're going to beat me. But just remember, you have the same allotment around the track. You have the same mileage around the track. You're all just at different places. Don't judge yourself by somebody else. You need to make sure that you don't compare yourself to anybody because the Bible says it's not wise, but we do. We compare ourselves spiritually. We compare ourselves in a lot of ways. But God said, you be responsible for you. Okay? I'm not talking about trying to get in somebody else's business tonight. What I'm trying to say to you is tend to your own business and say, you know what? I need to be mindful of what time God's given me. I can advance this and, 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 and I can make up, the reason I said this is because even the person, I've watched the person that was the furthest back win the race. Because they made good on the time. They made their time running well spent. They got a great value and an advancement out of it because they all started at the same allotment of how they had to go around. Everybody has the same race to run. But there are people that get ahead because they are valuably using their time wisely. I heard a, I heard a, uh, a man on, on some video, it was a short reel. And he's like, from 5 o'clock to 10 o'clock is really one day for me. He said, I get so much done in that amount of time. He's not a Christian man, he's just a businessman, and he has wealth for good reason. Because, or, or because of his labor, and that he has been a good steward of his time. Okay, you want to know why you're broke? You're not making good use of your time. Amen. Look, we always talk about giving, but I'm going to tell you something right now. God honors your time that's spent in doing what you're doing. When I say broke, I'm not always talking about money. I'm talking about that feeling that you feel like, I can't seem to get nothing done. I feel, I'm going to tell you, the devil beats people up saying you're a failure. Your house is a mess. Your car's a mess. Your finances are a mess. And all of these other things are a mess. You're just one big hot mess. But if you would take time, and look, I'm preaching to the choir here. But you got to get up and you've got to make an a, you've got to make an intentional intent be purposeful and say you know what I'm going to map out my day I'm going to give God my time that he deserves and you know we don't preach about tithing on our time but we should tithe on our time and if we tithe on our time that's 24 hours in a day God deserves 2 hours and 40 minutes 
plus an offering. So just make it three. Yeah. Don't say, well, I tithe on my time but not on my money. No, you need to tithe on everything. And don't make it something that's legalistic. But just, Lord, you deserve this. And I'm going to shut my phone off and put it on, on airplane mode. I'm not even going to have it there because the first thing's going to happen, a message is going to come or something's going to come and you pick it up. Has anybody in here, don't raise your hand because I already know the answer. You sit there with your Bible and your phone's there and it distracts your time while you're reading your Bible. or you're, I'm going to tell you right now, we need to give God that time exclusively and say, I'm turning it off. He gets my hours that I want to give to him. You may say, I, don't, I can only have an hour and a half in the morning or an hour. Well, then, then take some time in the evening. Give God what he deserves. We all need to hear this tonight. We must redeem the time. It's going to get better here. Hold on. The time can be wasted or it can be added to. It can be advanced and advancing the kingdom of God as we redeem it and we make good use of our time. Jesus said, tarry and wait until you are endued with power. There are things that you give yourself to that are valuable and they take time, but they bring about a great result. There are things that we, we, we uh, give ourselves to that don't produce anything fruitful in our lives. And then there are things that we give ourselves to that are very fruitful that you may not always see the fruit right there in front of you in the beginning, but there will come a harvest. What you've done in secret will uh, be seen and rewarded openly. It will happen. Jesus said, tarry and wait until you are endued with power. Time, that's time given to God, spent, used, and it has an eternal impact. An eternal impact. God wants us all to redeem the time and improve. Listen to this. Remember this. I want to improve every moment that I have with God. And I want to improve every moment that I have to make up for those that are lost in sin. Because when I say hell is competing with your time, you have what you have to do to take care of yourself. But imagine a mother. She doesn't just have herself to take care of. She has her children to take care of. She has her house to take care of. If she's a stay-home mom, and Lord help her if she's a working mom and having to come home and do all of those things too. But then you have dad, and he's got to work full time, and he's got things he has to do around the house too. But you're not just taking care of yourself, but you are investing in those children. Imagine, imagine, and making that house work and function. Imagine you have your life to be responsible for with the time that you have, and you give yourself that time for your personal spiritual enrichment and growth. But you, if you will use that time wisely and see the kingdom advance, you will begin to see other people who have wasted their time. The redemptive quality about God will come out in you and you will pray for them and redeem what they've lost. Isn't that awesome? Think about that. You're not just living for yourself. In fact, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. So really our time isn't our time, it's God's time. He just made us stewards over it to make good of what we have. And for just a moment, get away from God being the school teacher up there saying, I'm going to crack the whip if you don't use your time wisely. No, we love Him. 
He's our reason for living, and he's our reason why we invest the time that we do, and we have such a conviction about using it wisely. Man. So, I only got two more pages. Stay here with me. Paul, speaking inspired, says, Understand what the will of the Lord is after he says, Redeem the time, for the days are evil. Understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, I'm getting ready to say something here. And everybody always makes the drinking wine part in excess the main focal point and being filled with the Spirit. But I want you to see greater than that and beyond that statement right there. And it's an awesome scripture. But see that the activities that people get involved with rob them of their time. They mar their time. And it's tragic because would anybody in here take a $100 bill and light it on fire? No way. Unless you're just a dum-dum. We work, too, <laughs> we work too hard. And I know $100 ain't what $100 used to be. So, okay, I'll, would anybody take $500? No. It's, it's valuable. It's a valuable thing. But yet we will do that with our time. We'll just let it go. So he goes into an analogy that hopefully everybody will understand. And he says in verse 18, and I'm going here. Hold on. Let me turn here. Ephesians 5, 18. Let me read 17 again. He said, 8, 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So what he is saying is, and wants us to understand is, be not drunk with wine in excess. When you are at that place, when people do that in the world, the church, Christians are not supposed to do that. Amen. We're not supposed to be given a, to strong drink and wine and all that stuff. The Bible's very clear. The moment that you begin to get buzzed or start e to even, even begin uh, for a person to begin to become somewhat inebriated, it becomes a sin. Okay, we just stay away from alcohol. I preach it. I don't want to hammer on it tonight in that way. I want to say to you that it's foolish. It's not wise. The Bible's got so many scriptures on why you shouldn't do it. And there's one scripture that somebody might pull out of the Old Testament about wine being something that's joyful or the other scripture where Paul told Timothy, you know, uh, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Well, I've got, a, 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 I've got an answer for that. We have Pepto-Bismol. We have Imodium A.D., we don't have to have wine to, to, to take care of any bacteria in our stomach. We've got good water and we've got, you know, all of these medicines that will help you today to get through all of your distemper. Or dysentery or whatever you call it. I don't know whatever it is, but you know your problems. But there's... 98% of the scriptures in the Bible that talk about it, how it's totally wrong, totally shouldn't be done. 
It's something, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is foolish. Talks about being near the red wine and you do things you never dreamed you'd do. You say things you never thought you'd ever say. You're with people you never thought you'd ever be with. Amen. I'm just telling you right now, it causes you to do things you shouldn't do. And I'm, I'm going to go a little bit deeper here for just a second. But all of these things take place and they happen. And so he is, he is saying to you and I, we need to see that we need to be filled with the Spirit of God so that we are sober and aware of the time that we're wasting, that people are wasting when they get totally in a drunken stupor. And, 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 and all of the time that it wastes, not just in the activity that you're doing and the things that you do, but then the next day you have to wake up and you got to nurse yourself back to some kind of normalcy. Pastor, you ever been hungover? No, but I heard. And there's enough ex-drunks in here that could tell you they know I'm telling you the truth. Amen. <laughs> but... When you drink in wine with its excess, you are you do not consider the time that's wasted in the stupor or when you're out of it. It's just wasted. The devil does that. He gets you not only wasting time, but wasting time foolishly. We can redeem the time, and we can also advance the time. So what he does is he causes you not to redeem the time, but then when you're drinking, not only are you not redeeming the time, but you're also making bad use of the time. Do you see what I'm saying? They are not only wasting productive opportunities God gave us all, because we're going to give an account on that day. But you're acting. Listen, buckle your seatbelt, drinkers. One time I said, I was preaching on it, and somebody said, Pastor, nobody in our church drinks. No, I said, I don't believe anybody in here, you know, drinks, and I don't, you know. And somebody came up to me, and they said, Pastor, there's a lot of things you don't know. And I said, well, now I know why God's telling me to do it, why he's telling me to preach it. So there's a lot of things you don't know. And, uh, and he said, and by the way, just want you to know, we, I went to a restaurant right after Sunday morning service. This was about 15 years ago. Okay, it wasn't yesterday. But the people that sat in your service and heard you preach that sat down, and they were drinking right there at the table. And I said, that's on them, not me. I'm going to stand before God and he's going to say, you did what I told you to do. The people that don't listen to what I preach, I can't help that. And I'm not going to follow somebody home and beat them over the head with the Bible. I chose a long time ago not to go home and try to live people's lives for them. I'm just going to preach it and leave it and let God deal with you. But I have to say it. Because God wants me to. But when you are, when you are doing the drinking part, you're acting and, and you're doing it to numb your pain and, and make the time go away. Come on. You're acting as God. You're acting in the place of God. To numb your own pain, numb your own stress, numb your heart. Instead of allowing God's love, grace, compassion to do it for you. Marinate on that for a second. We do things and we step in the place of God 
And we say, if God's not going to give me the peace, which he always gives you the peace, you just think he doesn't give you the peace, or he doesn't do it the way you want him to do it. But if you will go to his word, he will give you peace. He will give you rest. He will give you the answer. He will settle your heart. Believe me, I have been, I have been so wound up like a yo-yo, so angry, so mad at times, going through hurt and pain and frustration and all kinds of things. And, and, and let me tell you something. I'm not a drinker. I've never been a drinker. I don't want to drink. I wouldn't go and even do that. So I sit there and God says, you don't have any other out. You don't have a pass to go back to to drink. You, you, you have to find me in that altar. But people go, you know, I just wanted to go get a drink. I said, don't do that. Go to the Lord. Why are you trying to act as God and self-medicate when you can go to the Lord and he can give you everything you need to give you that peace? Y'all are, are, are some of your hallelujah in me and some of you are saying, oh me, oh my. But we cannot act as God to numb our own pain instead of allowing God's love and grace and compassion to work in us and for us. When he said, I will give you rest. When he said, my grace is sufficient in your weakness. When he said, cast all of your cares upon me, for I care for you. Be filled with the Spirit. Why? I'm moving on. Some of you are saying amen. Be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because it makes you spiritually aware of God's light, power, hope, and very aware of people in darkness and that you only have so much time, and so do they. You only have so much time to rescue them through prayer and through witnessing, and they only have so much time because you never know when God's going to call their number. Are you hearing me? The Holy Ghost made Peter and the apostles deeply aware of the lost that were in Jerusalem and their faithfulness, the disciples and apostles, of their time spent or expended or was expanded. It brought a power upon them to witness that language barriers couldn't stop or block anything. Nothing was going to limit the power of God reaching people. It's like... For years, the devil had blinders over people. And when Peter and John and all the apostles came down to preach the word of God, and all of a sudden the scales were lifted, and they were acutely aware that, you know what? These people are lost and they're in darkness. We have to seize that moment and redeem the time. Because tomorrow that may lift. And I have an opportunity right now. I've got to take advantage of this right now, right now. That's why at funerals, I don't mess around because I know I've got people in there that are broken. They've got eternity on the mind. And you better take advantage of it, buddy. Because you're never going to get a riper moment to preach to people. Amen. But there was nothing that limited them. In fact, all the limitations were broken. And they were able to seize the moment and make good of the time that they had. I am not teaching this for the sole purpose of time management and principles only, even though it's valid. But in hopes that we will ponder and meditate on the Word of God and maximize our allotment of time, advancing the kingdom, redeeming what the lost and the backslider has wasted. Listen, and everything God does or has done, He purposes for us to do. We're supposed to forgive. He forgave us. We're redeeming time that has, is being lost. 
When you go up to somebody and you say, you know what? I'm sorry or please forgive me. What you're saying is I'm breaking this that has caused there to be this time that's been lost. How many, how many people have not spent time with family members or friends because there hasn't been a redeeming quality of forgiveness? I'm telling you, folks, I just ripped the cover off the devil tonight. If you didn't see it, you're blind. I ripped that cover off. There's a redeeming quality in God. He redeemed us. He's all about redemption. And he said, I want you to forgive because I want you to redeem the time. I want you to redeem these relationships. It's all about restoration. Okay, you want to call it redemption? Call it restoration. But it's redeeming. It's restoring. Amen. Uh, We're not the ones that redeem, but the power of God through us brings about that redemptive work. Look, I'm not saying it's us. I'm saying it's God. But I want you to get where I'm going. But, But forgiveness... Uh, you know, it brings that redeeming quality, that redemption. When you love somebody, it brings them from a place where they don't feel like anybody loves them, and it brings them back into a place where they're included, where they're wanted, they're not marginalized, where they're accepted and they're embraced. Isn't that what redemption does? Yes. Showing grace brings that redemptive quality of Christ through you and I. When, when we see people get saved, it's redemption at work. When we see people delivered, it's redemption at work. When we see people healed, it's God redeeming and reversing what the devil has brought as a curse. And bringing them back to that place of healing. So re- there's so many things. But redeeming time can only be for the purpose to reverse and rescue what is eternal. Because I can tell you, God cares about the eternal soul. He cares about it. That's why God sent His only Son. He gave His very best. He gave His very best. We must pray. We must intercede. We must preach. We must prophesy for the purpose of seeing souls redeemed by Christ's blood while we have time. And Mady used to say to me all the time, Honey, she said, where there's breath, there's hope. In other words, where there's breath, there's time. There's time. There's still a little allotment of time. Years ago, the days are evil. We've got to work while we can. I'm going to close. Years ago, there was a lady that came here with her mother and her stepdad. And he was old. He had Alzheimer's. And he would just sit here in church, and he just looked like he was the most miserable person in the room. And, and, and in his dementia and Alzheimer, he probably, probably was. One day in service, I had just began to pray for him because I said, Lord, his mind is gone, but he's still alive. If you were done with him, you would have taken him home. And I said, Lord, I said, um, you know, I began to pray for him. His name was Jack. I began to pray for him. And I said, Lord, I'm asking you to give me an opportunity where I can talk to him. And ladies that brought him said, he just, he's gone. He sat back there. And one service, I mean, we were having a a beautiful, anointed service. Altar call, people are weeping. I just let him pray. I walked to the back of the church. And I said, Lord, give me a window. I went over there and I sat down. I said, Jack, he looked at me. He said, Pastor. I thought. I said, Jack, I said. Do you know the Lord? Have you ever asked God to forgive you of your sins and invited Jesus into your heart? 
He said, no. And I said, you need to. He said, I know. And I said, you know what? Can, can we pray the sinner's prayer? Do you believe God sent his son to die for you and that he will forgive you of your sins? He, he Yes, he broke. I'm like, wow. And I prayed that sinner's prayer with him, and he prayed, and he cried. I said, Lord, for, he, he asked the Lord, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for all the things. Please forgive me. And, I mean, he broke. And we prayed, and I, I, I prayed over and prayed God's grace, hugged him, loved him. And it's like he just went, pew. Back to that. It's like he had a moment. God gave him a moment of understanding. And then it was gone. And I think he died four months later. The Lord said, time. You redeemed the time. If he would have sat there for four more months and you never went back there, he'd have never got saved perhaps. So maybe somebody else could have. But you believed me to give you an opening and a window to talk to him. See, prayer and seeking God and interceding allows God to bring you ahead of the situation and allow you that moment in time. God's a step ahead. That's why here we're walking and it's like God goes so fast and he's ahead. And he said, I met, I met you that day and met him. And he said, I, because you redeemed the time. You cared to pray. And that's, I'm just telling you that if we don't pray and seek God for people, they'll live this life in time. And they'll be on their way to hell. They'll be living in hell, going to hell. But they can be have heaven in their heart, Christ in their heart, the Spirit of God, going to heaven. We have to redeem the time. And church, if you're here tonight, and you say, I've squandered time, Pastor. You need to ask God to forgive you. And you need to change. We need to quit saying things with our mouth that our heart doesn't agree with. We need to rend our heart and not our garments. See, in the Old Testament, they would, they would be distraught over something. They would go, ah, and they just rip their, them, them old religious or those, whoever it was, they'd rip their, 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 their garment. They'd rip their robe. And that was like an outward display of like, wow, they're really broken. They feel serious about this, you know. And, but God said through the prophet, he said, tell them to rend their heart and not just their garment. Let it be something down deep where they rip that heart open and they say, God, I really truly want to repent. So we need to ask God, every one of us, I believe in here, unless you are just stellar with your time management unto the Lord. I believe we're all guilty. And we all need to ask God to forgive us. We're going to close and I want you just to take a minute. I want to give you an opportunity and just take a moment. Just talk to the Lord. If you want to pray in the altar, you can. You want to pray in your seat. But I want us to pray. Would you with me tonight? Father. And the moments and the time that we've allowed, Father God, to just be wasted. And Lord, I'm just asking you tonight, help us to be mindful of it. I know that you're a God of grace. And Lord, that you will give us grace, Father God. You'll give us grace. But I'm asking you for that tonight, Lord.
I'm asking you to deal with us, Lord. Help us to be mindful of all of this. And tonight as we close in prayer, Lord, that you would just stir our hearts in the name of Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus be Jesus.